Developing Tomorrow's Leaders is a podcast that is all about educating, supporting, and inspiring the next generation of leaders. Your host, Antoine Thompson, or Coach T, has over 35 years experience of educating, supporting, inspiring, and enhancing the lives of many young men and women. Join him as he talks with business owners, educators, coaches, athletes, and others when they share their insight, experience, and passion for developing tomorrow's leaders. Here is your host, Coach T. Welcome to another episode of Developing Tomorrow's Leaders. Now, lately we've been having some some amazing coaches on here, and today is no different. We have another state championship coach on and I'm going to be talking a little bit about um, the correlation between her and our previous state championship coach. Uh, let's start off and tell you a little bit about her. She was born and raised in Richmond, Virginia, playing four years of varsity basketball at Monacan High School. She then continued her playing career at Franklin Marshall College, where she graduated with a degree in government. She served as an assistant coach back at her alma mater at Monacan High School girls team from 2015 to 16. And that team went 29 and 1 and won the 2016 Virginia High School League Class 4 State Championship. And then following her time there, she served as a graduate assistant for the University of Richmond's women's basketball team during the 2016-17 season, while she completed her master's degree from the Center for Sports Leadership at Virginia Commonwealth University. She just completed her fourth season as the head coach of the varsity girls program at the Stewart School. And under her leadership, the team has won two VISAA Division II state championships, one in 2020 and the other one in 2021. And she's also coached them to a TCIS championship in 2019. In 2020, she was named the VISAA Division II State Coach of the Year and one of three coaches in both high school and college to be nominated for a coach of the year at the inaugural RVA Sports Awards this year. She has a career record of 79 wins and 19 losses. I hope you will help me welcome Kara Basile to Developing Tomorrow's Leaders. How are you, Kara? Thank you so much for coming on and being on here with me. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to it. No, no, great. Well, listen, before we even get into anything, I want to um, tie two things together, connect two dots that our, our listeners may or may not know. So you probably know that Coach R.J. Spellsberg was on not too long ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And when I mentioned uh, where you went to, where you played and where your assistant coach was the same school at Monacan. That's right. So, so in 2016, Monacan High School dominated uh, Virginia basketball that's having right. won the state title, boys and girls. Um, was that the first time that happened? It's the first time it ever happened in school history. And what was really cool was that day, we were the very first game of the sequel set of the girls were. So at the end of our game, the boys are waiting in the tunnel to come in. So as we're coming off, all our girls, you know, we're celebrating, we're high-fiving them, like, go get yours, go get yours. And so that was really cool. And then we got to stay. And so then we're right there, you know, on the floor with those guys as, as they made some magic happen. And of course, like the whole school was there. I mean, place was packed out. It felt like, you know, all of Monacan was in the VCU Seagull Center. So just a crazy environment. And like to have both programs win on the same day, like literally back to back. It's pretty special. It's pretty special. Yeah, I can only imagine that experience. And, and you know, like I said, knowing uh, RJ the way that I do and, um, 
so well deserved because I know he put oh, in yeah. a lot of time and effort and just as you did as well and and being a part of that, that that staff. But then you go to Stewart School and start making a name for yourself, yeah. winning two state titles there, which I think is just uh, just amazing. And now, I was going to throw one little thing in here. So I was looking at your record. and I'm like, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Here so, it goes. <laughs> so mine, the last seven years, mine is 113 wins and 20 losses. So you got a little bit of work to do. Oh man, come on now. <laughs> now. You got one, you can only lose one game. You got to run the table this year. And you're hey, fine. the pressure's on. The pressure's right? on. <laughs> but you you like it though, don't you? You like it. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So what kind of team do you think you're gonna have this year? Um we uh, yeah, I mean we're we're gonna be super young. Um we only with that said, we only lost one senior. Um, but we were really young last year. Um, I mean, we'll probably we'll be starting three ninth graders. Um, and so two of those were eighth graders this past season for me. And, and they started at varsity as eighth graders because we can do that in the private school. Um, so they have, you know, a little bit of experience there. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, they're babies. So starting three freshmen will have, you know, a solid uh, return, returning core with my, my juniors and, and uh, shoot seniors. Now it's these kids, man, they start getting old. I'm like, wow, they're seniors. <laughs> but there's I can say they're seniors now. Um, <laughs> So have a good core coming back and, and some good leadership with, with those guys up top. But our young talent is is really what I'm excited about with the, with these guys. So to get going and, and get them in the gym, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But but that's a great segue into you know what I really like to talk to you about, and that is you know leadership with young ladies and you know, just listening. To you talk about how excited you are about the young talent. I know I've talked to, you know, I listen to a lot of coaches and they always put all this effort and energy into the older players and not realizing if you develop the younger ones, that's how you sustain your program. That's how you get kids excited about wanting to be a part because they know from day one, they are part of the success of the program and or team. Oh, no, absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, we have uh, some luck, you know, where we, where I'm at at Stewart, we're, we're a JK through 12 school. So um, we can kind of have our hands or I can have my hands in on our middle school programs as well. So, you know, as soon as they, they hit that middle school age, you know, our girls are coming in, we're, we're helping with practices. We're going to cheer those girls on in the middle school level. So they know that we're, we're invested in you guys as well. Like this is something that you should aspire to, to come with us. And, you know, I, I reiterate to my girls all the time, like you might not feel like, you know, you're a role model or anything like that, but guess what? Those, those younger girls who are playing just like you, they are looking up to you, right? So you have a responsibility to carry yourself a certain way and to act a certain way, to play a certain way um, be, because you're being watched. Um, and, and so to have that ability to tie in our middle school program with our high schoolers as well, and honestly, to, to extend it on down to our young ones, we'll, we'll run a kids camp this summer here at the end of August. So to get those little, and my girls will work at my varsity girls. So they'll be in there with them and, and get those little ones excited about playing and coming to games in the, in the winter and all that good stuff. So I, I think it starts when you see people, you know, like you that are in those positions and you can aspire to be there. Yeah. Well, that last part that you mentioned, I think is so important. And you were talking about your varsity girls being a part of the, the summer camp. 
that is where the seed is truly planted. I believe, and you understand that too. Uh, with uh, I was just talking uh, with uh, some of the kids that work with uh, with our summer league. Where the summer league that we run here for JLT Fieldhouse, all the coaches are high school players, and they're That's coaching. Cool. They're coaching fourth through sixth grade boys oh, and girls, awesome. and they're coaching seventh through ninth grade boys and girls for the summer league. And what's great about it is watching the players respect the coaches who actually are only a few years older than them. Right. And, but it's about the environment that you create, the culture that you create within your program. And it's obvious that's what you've done with yours, regardless of whether you win titles every year or not. Well, you've been winning the last couple so. But <laughs> um, but you've established the culture for your program. And it, to me, I think it's a foregone conclusion that these girls are going to continuously want to be a part of a culture and a winning program and not just about X's and O's and wins and losses, but it's about what you're teaching them along the way. And I, and I know if I know you, like I know RJ, it is not just about X's and O's and being right. conditioning. It's about what you learn playing the sport is going to pay huge dividends for you once you leave the sport and get into the real world. Oh, I mean, that that's exactly it. Right. That's what I tell, you know, their parents all the time. Like if I'm just sitting here teaching them how to dribble basketball, I'm really not, you know, doing my job. I, I think it's a lot more than that, that we're trying to do and get these girls ready and prepared for the next stage of our life, whether that's just college, the workforce, um, going out into the real world. And uh, how, are, how are they going to be confident young women moving, moving forward with their lives? And, you know, some of them, you know, are a little more natural than others. They get it. And some of them, you know, you need someone to kind of believe in you and push you a little bit to, to get to that point. And, you know, that's something that I hope to provide. And I hope our girls in turn learn to provide for not only each other, but the younger girls coming up the pipeline for them. Right. But, but I think the, the one part that always stands out to me when I think about um, girls slash women's basketball I've never had the pleasure, and I always said I would love to coach a girls' basketball team, and I'm going to tell you why. Number one, you know, because I, I, having worked with girls, training them and doing camps with them, I know it's a difference between the boys' camps and the girls' camps, like uh -huh. night and day, right? Night <laughs> and is. day. Yeah, and the one thing that I love about girls' basketball is that the girls rely on the fundamentals of the game to get better and to improve. Guys, hey, um, whoever's listening, if I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry, but this is 30 plus years of experience talking here. That's it. Guys walk in the gym and they're like, oh, I, I know how to do that. I know how to do that. I want to go work, start working on something that's harder. Well, I said, well, yeah. that's great. But how about you learn the basics? You're right. That's right? it. Yeah. One of, the, one of the biggest things I've seen change in the game over the years is dribbling. Everybody yeah. carries the ball every time they dribble. I don't know if you've ever noticed Oh, that. yeah. This is me aging myself, but nobody <laughs> can keep their hand on top of a basketball nope. and dribble it. They can't change direction without putting their hand under the ball. To me, you spent no time on the fundamentals of uh, ball handling and dribbling, yeah. Yeah. right? But going back to this is why I would love to coach a girls team, because when I start talking about you start talking about the um, the chemistry and the strategies, they're going to stick true to what it is and they're going to naturally grow from the fundamentals naturally yeah. oh, versus yeah. guys pushing themselves. So I just wanted to kind of share that because that, I think just think it's something that uh, would be a joy to do. I think it's so true. Cause I mean, even, you know, 
and within our coaching circle and RJ being that and on the boys side, just the way being around his program as, as tight as I have been and being around my own and, and at Monica and other programs and even our boys program at Stewart. Uh, yeah. I have a great relationship with those guys and just being around, like you're around to the way that we coach, like there's a lot of similarities, right. But it's, it's very different of how you're trying to convey your messages and, and get the kids to buy in and, how you go about teaching and, and leading, trying to get them from A to Z or, you know, cause like you said, a lot of the boys walk in the gym and they are the next LeBron James, right? Whereas the girls, sometimes they might have some skill, but they're almost, sometimes some of them are just, they don't even want to try it because they don't want to fail. So like you're trying to build that confidence. So they even believe that they belong to be out there. Whereas the boys, it don't matter if, if you're the 12th man, you think you should be number one <laughs> yeah. and, and you haven't made a shot all year, but you are still the best player on the, on the team. So you, just the dynamic and, and that mental piece of it is it's so different. We always say it's like apples to oranges, man. You, you can't compare the two, but that's why I said I can't do boys. <laughs> they would, they would no. wear me out. <laughs> yeah, no, they will. But I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I was going to, this is a question I wanted to ask you also. With, uh, could you describe maybe your toughest uh, coaching experience with a player, meaning trying to get through to a player and making them understand um, what you as a coach are expecting, not just from them as a player, but just as also from them as a person in relation to their uh, relationship with their teammates. Oh gosh. It's funny you say this because me, me and this player, we have a really great relationship. And um, as she was coming up, um, we start when I first got at Stewart, I guess a little bit of backtracking. Um, I basically came in with a young group like I have now. They were all eighth and ninth graders and I was, you know, their coach and, and coming in together. And th this particular player I'm talking about, she, she had been a captain as an eighth grader. I mean, she's, she's been the man, great player, all this good stuff. And sometimes, you know, you remember like, okay, shoot, you know, they had had her as a captain since an eighth grader, but like, does she, she's captain, but she, does she even know what it's like to lead? And you know, you'd see inside, for as, as good a job that she did, there's a lot of ways in which she didn't. And it, there was a point where in the season, there was some friction between some of the players. And it wasn't even, she didn't even know it because uh, she's just not nat naturally like an outspoken kind of person. She's, you know, quiet, calm, poised, reserved. And some of our younger players were saying that they felt like left out. Like she wasn't saying hi to them at school. You know, th there was a chasm there and we were trying to find a way to bridge this gap. And so finally, my assistant and I, we, we literally sat down with her and we were like, hey, I need you to when you see your teammates in the hallway, you make a concerted effort to say hi. If they're sitting alone at lunch, you go sit with them like that. Is, that is what leadership is. And that's how you show you care. Like, well, I mean, I'm not I'm not mad at them. I just I don't see them. And I'm like, right. But you're the leader and people are looking at you. So you have to be aware of that. Like you now have an, a new level of awareness that you have to have and how you carry yourself in your day, because whether you're consciously giving it off or not, people are reading you in different ways and it's having an effect on how we go about our business. So like from that, from this point on, like, I need you to make this effort to do these things. And she was like, coach, that sounds crazy. Like that really won't make a difference. And I was like, I'm telling you right now, if I didn't think it would, I wouldn't tell you, like, give it a try and see what happens. And she came back a few weeks later. She was like, I mean, really, that's, that's all I had to do. I was like, a little bit goes a long way, man. I mean, it bridges and just, just trying to, to teach in ways that it may seem so obvious 
or it be, might be something that even we as, as people take for granted, like just saying hi to people and, you know, making sure you, you notice others and check in on people about their day, like things that you might take for granted, like they go a long way. And, you know, you don't necessarily know that in, until you're forced to be in that position where people are expecting that of you. Um, so that, that was one I learned right, right away as she was coming up and it, and I'm telling you, it took our team to a whole new level when we kind of started getting that entire chemistry together and had some true leadership going on. Yeah. That's an interesting, uh, story because for me, I have never in all of my years coaching, never had captains on a team, yeah. never. And, uh, but I totally understand why it's needed. And you just yeah. gave a perfect example because that was a growth opportunity for this young lady that she otherwise would not have had. Right. Uh, if you're not put in that position, not only that, but you pointed out the importance of just the little things. I always say it, the little things make a big difference. Amen. That's it. Yeah. And that had nothing to do with X's and O's that had nothing to do with conditioning, but it had a lot to do with her personal growth and her relationship with her teammates. And also it eliminated conflict that would definitely sound like it was on its way to her being a cancer as a captain or a leader right. of the team. Right. Yeah. And so I, I say that because there's more than one way to skin a cat. Oh, definitely. Right. So I shouldn't use that term that analogy my bad my, my cat's like <laughs> listening I, I gotta turn you down <laughs> I know I'm a dog person but, but <laughs> I go back to the not having captains officials actually used to get mad at me because they say hey we need a captain I said I don't have captains he goes we'll send somebody over I'd send the whole team every time that's awesome and they they give me a look like coach Will and I said I don't have captains you pick one so whenever we'd have the uh same officials, they would go, I know, I know you don't have captains. So send him and him. And I, I send them over. But the reason that I never had captains or never do have captains is because I put all of the players in a leadership role from day one so that they hold each other accountable as well as themselves accountable. But like I said, it's two ways to go about it. And for me, it just it just takes a little bit of responsibility off of me as a coach. So um, the next thing I wanted to ask you about, and this has to do with the leadership um, of your team, what is your coaching philosophy and how do you share that, not just with your players, but also with their parents? But a big piece of that is like love. Like for us, it's lean with love. You got to love what you're doing, love who you're around, look to serve others and, and be a blessing to others. And the rest will kind of fall in, into place. And so how we do that and how, how we do that on the floor. Like I want them to come in with joy. Like I don't want it to be a death sentence, you know, when we're coming to practice, like we're going to practice hard and I'll punish you when we need to be punished. But at the same time, like I kind of like the light, like be light, like and have fun with what they're doing. I, I want them to compete and get after it. But I, I think if they're not, they don't have a love for it, then they're not going to push themselves to the level that they need to get. Even if I'm in, in their ear, you know, because you've got to have that intrinsic piece in you. Right. And I, and I think a lot of that, too, is developing that team bonding outside of what we do. So, I mean, we, we do a lot of stuff off the court together as a group. Um, most of the time, like they'll lift as a group. We'll do film as a group. But we also do like leadership studies, basically, as a group outside um, of practice and that kind of thing. And so getting them in, in, in different groups with each other and maybe, you know, interacting with teammates that maybe they normally wouldn't throughout their school day. Um, it, it leads to the whole group getting more cohesive 
And then a big piece of what we do always is, is have some kind of community service project throughout the year. Um, and so usually I leave that up to my assistant. He's awesome with that. And he, he always takes the reins on whatever project it may be. But for, for the most part, every year, at least we will do something with Special Olympics because we will bring them in and, and they'll use our gym. But um, we've just done different stuff on top of that as, as well. But I like to give the girls input on that too. Like where's the need in our community, something that you're passionate about, something you care about that we collectively can buy in and, and create. Cause then it kind of, kind of gives them a bigger purpose as well behind what they're doing. Um, so all those things just to kind of get them together and teach them those skills without, I guess, ramming it down their throat and making a miserable hour at it. Ladies and gentlemen that are listening to this episode, Kara just laid out probably the best example of what a coach does. I didn't hear a whole bunch of basketball terminology in building your team. All I heard was relationship building, respect for each other, respect for community. Um, and communication. This is one of those things that I think a lot of people have a misconception about coaches. And you know, parents are so quick to point a finger at a coach because you're not winning games. And when in reality, our job is not just about winning games. Right. It's about developing, character, building character within our players so that they can be better kids to their, with their families and also be a contributor to their community and society. So I love that explanation. Not that I'm surprised by it by any means. I just wanted you to say it so I wouldn't have to say it. There you go. That is, there you go. But that is what coaching is about. And yeah, I say I applaud you, but good Lord, I, I know that's the kind of coach you are, obviously, just as RJ is. But I love that because you spend a lot of time about developing, developing, and you spend a lot of time about talking about leadership because once they leave, the community service part is huge. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. we do our, we do a, a Meals on Wheels, well, we did pre-COVID, a Meals on Wheels route um, every month. Yeah. And, you know, the kids really appreciated getting out in the community. And also those recipients were like, wow, young people come delivering meals. Like, yeah. You know, we want them to see that, you know, there are other people that are less fortunate than you are. And you, you, the more you know about that, the more you'll be aware and make time to give back. So I appreciate you sharing that. And it is absolutely spot on. But I wanted to to also just touch on the the parental part of it, because I think this is really important for parents to understand the role as a coach. For like for me, about four years ago, I probably had my worst season ever dealing with parents. Yeah. And the reason I say it's my worst season, ready for this one, Kara? This is gonna blow you away. When uh-huh. I defeated and won the conference championship, and it was my worst year ever with parents. See? Think about that. Think about that. Uh, right? Right? Come on. You, you win and they're still not happy. That's it. Right. And it's because of my child didn't play enough. My child didn't play enough. Regardless of winning. But now flip it over. Let's just say we're not winning and their child's playing a lot. Now they can complain that you're not winning. That's it. So you can't and win. If their child plays, you're going to win. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And if your, their child plays, you're going to win. So 
I had to make a decision, and I'm going to ask you how you would handle the situation as a coach. So you you go undefeated, you win a, a championship, but through that process, and I'm going to give you a couple examples. You have a parent that comes out and stands after you win a game by 20 points, comes across this, the gym, curses you out because you took their child out, right? Oof. In front of administrators from the visiting school, well, we're the visiting school, from the, the home school, right. right? And you go, wow, you win convincingly. you are got it going. The kids are happy, but a parent's not happy. Parents are making sports about them and not about their kids. Yep, that's right. And so how would you handle a situation like that if it happened at Stewart School? I think you see more and more of that, unfortunately. I, I'm super lucky because I've had such a, a great group of parents. And so I'm so fortunate with that. But at the same time, I mean, you, you do see it, right? And most of these parents, you know, you have their baby in your hands. Right. And nothing is going to make them, you know, happier, more prideful than seeing their child happy. And what I try and convey is part of the growth that we're trying to get for these kids. They, it might not always be sunshine and rainbows. They might not always be getting exactly what they want out of this situation. But isn't that life? Right. And, and at the same time, they're going to have to. Number one, I always for our kids being high school girls like. They need to advocate for themselves. So if there is an issue or a problem, it's them to me first. I don't, I don't want to hear from you. Okay. They're old enough to address that with me. And then, you know, by all means, come on in and tell me how you feel. But because of one thing for sure is that makes them address their problems and learn how to communicate effectively, which especially with the group that, you know, is coming up on an age where they can just text and tweet and all that kind of stuff. Like, they're not really used to face-to-face expressing themselves and advocating for themselves. And when they go to college or they enter the workforce, mom or dad, you're not going to be there to do that for them. So they have to learn how to do that. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and attack your child. Like I, this is a lesson of growth for them, but I'm here to listen. And I, and I want to know if we can talk, talk it through it first. Right. But I think the biggest piece side note circling back is like, yeah, it's, it's not always going to be best for them. And as a parent, you have to be willing to let your kids stumble or not be happy and fall and land flat on their face and fail, to be honest with you, in order for them to grow. And it might be uncomfortable for you, and it's probably uncomfortable for the child, but that's when the growth happens, right? And now, look, I'm, you know, I'm not saying we all do it perfectly or anything like that. And if there's not a major issue, like, sure, I, I got to listen. I got to change, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, I think I'm seeing a lot more of, you know, we're in this microwave society. Like it's not happening for me right now. It's somebody else's fault, but mine. And it needs to be happening right now. And uh, it's, it's just not the way that the world works. And I, I think we can teach our kids better. <laughs> yeah, you're hundred percent right. And I love the fact that you say the player, the girls come to you first before they go before the parents come to you. Coach T's book, The Ultimate Guide to Success for Preteens and Teens, is the perfect resource for preteen and teen personal growth and development skills. It breaks down in detail his CF Success program and its application in 10 key development areas. The program applies Coach T's three key components, simplicity, effort, and attitude. 
It includes some of his success stories, as well as former and current student testimonials. Order your copy today on Amazon. Available in paperback, hardback, and Kindle version. Now back to developing tomorrow's leaders with Coach T. So what I did was after that season of winning everything but being miserable, I'm going to lay out my philosophy of how I coach and what my expectations for myself as a coach, but also what I expect from the kids as a coach. There you go. So what, what I did was we had a preseason meeting with all the parents and everything, and I laid out what my philosophy was in coaching. I said it covers three points, player-coach rapport, player development, team chemistry. And I said, if those three things are allowed to occur without any interruption, we will have a great season, regardless of wins and losses. Never heard from a parent. And to me, it puts the onus back on and responsibility on the players to achieve what they want to achieve and not what the parents want to achieve. No, I mean, I I love that. That's really good. I like that a lot. Yeah. And I'm taking uh, that one from you. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, that's why I'm offering it up because it, it. it truly, it works. It really yeah. works. And um, not that you, like I said, that's why I asked you kind of what, how you would handle a situation. It's great that you have a supportive group of parents, but you know, as well as I do, that can change from year to year. Right. That's the truth. Your, right? mm-hmm. so, yeah. so one of the things, uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you is your take on women's basketball in general. Do you feel like um, it gets the exposure recognition it so rightly deserves, or do you think it's still too far behind the men's game? Uh, I mean, I definitely think it's still behind the men's game in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that's just kind of the nature of the beast right now. And I think it's improving a lot. Um, but I think the game in itself is still behind the men's game and in, in, in the way that you still see a lot of disparity, even, even at the highest level. Right. Like even in the college ranks, division one, you know, you have teams that are like, look at UConn, for example. I mean, maybe not this year, but for a long time, like you knew they were going to win. Like that's it. And they're all division one and, you know, all that good stuff. But it, it, there's just such a level of disparity between it all. And I think we still see a lot of that down at the high school level, the middle school level. And as you continue to go down, because there's still a, a wide variety of kids that play the game you got some girls that haven't put in a lot of time and are just wanting to try and and get better and then you got some girls that have really excelled at it and um I I think I see a lot of that on my own team right like I see some kids that are trying it for the first time and then I've got really young kids getting high division one offers and now you have this mix of these two worlds you're coaching two totally different players um but I think there's there's not a lot of in between so even as we look to schedule from, from year to year, I mean, you're either playing the big boys that have all the talent and they're always going to have all the talent or you're beat people by 50. Like you, it's really hard to find a middle ground. And so for the casual fan who wants to watch, like why you want to go see a bunch of games that are, that are blowouts, right? Like most people don't, like, it's just not that exciting. So I think until we continue to catch up, which you're starting to see it now at the college level. Like there's starting to be a lot more variety around the women's game. And I think that's really good for the game um, because there can be upsets and all that excitement. And, and, and you're seeing a lot of star players instead of just one or two. And I think that just needs to continue to trickle down because I think until it gets like that, 
and we're kind of in this state where people, oh, we're going we're gonna to ooh and awe at the men's game, but you're missing some really good basketball that's being played on the women's game. Um, but with that said, I mean, I think there's got to, you know, the, visibil- the visibility's got to be there. It's got to be invested in more, all of that good stuff, because, you know, people, you flip around, there'll be like eight WNBA games on, you might see one of them on TV, right? But, and, and that's lucky if you get one of them on, on TV at night. Um, whereas the NBA and in college, the men's game, oh, it's on all the time. We'll, we'll play replays of the, of the NBA finals before we even play a real-time WNBA game. Well, it, you're not doing much to support the game either. And I know it's supply and demand and consumer-driven, but at the same time, if it's not even an option for the consumer to even get, then how do you know, you know if that's really what it is? Uh, so I think there's still definitely a lot of growth to happen there. Have you seen a lot of, uh, or I guess I should say, is it still in that area? Is uh, the girls' AAU program or circuit very active? And is that something that hurts the game? I know it does for the from the boys' perspective because it's oversaturated with mm-hmm. everybody just gathers people up and they get the friends. Hey, let's start an AAU team. So you have no quality from top to bottom. You have one or two players, and you're surrounding them with. Um, less skilled players just so parents can have, see their kids play. And then to your point, they go play in tournaments, get blown out by 50. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's not good for the game. But do you see that the girls game is, is affected by AAU play? Oh, definitely. Definitely. It's um, in the AAU world has changed so much, even from when I was playing. Just, you know, 10, God, I can't even say 10. It's probably like 15 years ago. Right? <laughs> hey, oh, it hits you, it hits you fast. But it's changed so much too. And now, I mean, you're right. If, if you want to play, there's going to be a team for you to play on somewhere. So you can find a spot on any team. Um, and so, yeah, as a result, you're getting a bunch of these, you know, watered down teams or teams that really don't belong um, out there at, at the same competitive level as, as other teams. And so, you know, are you really getting competition to help yourself improve? Mm, not really depends on who you play, but um, I mean, even, so I actually dipped my foot in the AAU world this summer. So I am coaching an AAU team for the first time. And I guess it's all changed. And my like we, we're a pretty solid team, like a lot of good area kids on it. But I mean, even we played in a local tournament two weekends ago, and we only had five players because I had a few kids that were missing. So I only had five, had no subs, and we still beat a team 64 to four. And we were doing everything we could to, Not to run the score up. And that this is an AAU basketball. This isn't rec league. This is, you know, so there's just so many teams for for kids to hop on. And, uh, you know, accessibility is great and you want to grow the game. But at the same time, you want to have, you know, some kind of balance and competitive level. So everybody's getting what they need, I guess. Yeah. Well, do you know how uh, Richmond Metro years ago, like when I was coaching RJ, you know why that program sustained itself and why it was so successful, like the Boo Williams programs? Do you know why those programs sustained it and, and last and why they have such great longevity? Because the kids commit to the program from the beginning and they stay with the program throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been asked several times here uh, when my JLT Fieldhouse program was going to start AAU. And three years ago, I was ready to pull the trigger and do it. But I, I reflected and I was like, you know, I will start this thing because to your point, everything you just stated, I knew it would happen. Actually, was reached, uh, reached out um, 
AAU North Carolina AAU reached out to me, invited me to Charlotte, wanted to have a meeting with them. I drove up there, met with them and said, we really like what you're doing and we want to start a developmental league of AAU. I'm like, oh, this is great. It's great. And I'm like, this is great because this is how you build a foundation. If you can get the younger kids in development level and go up. And I said, well, let me see how, you know, let me follow what you're doing so I can kind of see if this fits exactly the same as what you described. You know, it's like uh, kids are signed up for a team and then the parents aren't happy or the kids aren't happy. They leave that team, go to another team. That's right. They go to that team they don't like and they go to another team. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be a part of that. Even if I set up where you sign a contract, you're going to be like, oh, we still don't like it. It is the society that we are in now. And some people will say, well, if you agree that's how it is, then it won't work. You and I both know how much time, effort and energy goes into trying to build a program. Mm-hmm. And when you have kids like the girls like you have, that's why you've been able to sustain a program. They believe in what you teach. They right. believe in the mission of the team. It's not a hard fight for you to get them to buy in. But when you leave a school system and you go start talking about rec leagues and AAU programs, it's a different animal because oh, yeah. everybody's expectations are different, right? Oh, definitely. And, and I think, you know, that's, that's where it gets crazy, right? Yeah. Because everybody does, every, everybody's using that vehicle in, in different ways and you're not happy. Okay, cool. Find another place to go. Um, but, you know, like we said before, it's not necessarily the way the world works. So what are you really learning out of that? Are you even getting better? Or are you just having a different experience somewhere else? Like, I think that's, you know, that's why, you know, the girls, they've teased me too. Oh, what do you like better AAU or high school? And I was like, man, high school all day. Cause I can control a lot. And yeah. I feel like you're really working for something where AAU is, you know, we're just trying to showcase you guys and yeah. uh, sure. It's fun. We get to travel and, and go all these places and all that, but I, it's harder to leave that mark when, uh, I don't know, you're playing to so many different uh, tunes, I guess. But you described, too, why it's such it has such a negative connotation when you talk about AAU and how people bounce around. If you and I, are co- as coaches, are working on the players' personal growth and development and how to accept the responsibilities when you sign on for something, you make the most of the opportunities presented to you at that moment. Two questions I want to ask you before we head out. Um, one, what are you, besides working towards another state championship, what else are you uh, working on um, that is, may be of interest to our listeners? Man, that, that state championship one is one I work hard on. <laughs> <laughs> that one takes up a lot of time. Um, yeah. But no, I, um, I'm i assistant athletic director at Stewart School. So, man, this is, this is our time of year where we're definitely, you know, we're reflecting a lot on, on this year and then putting into motion for next year, right? Yeah. So we're doing a lot of scheduling, doing a lot of that stuff. But um, definitely taking a whole new – it's almost like we're rebuilding what we've done after COVID because things got so different and so out of routine. And, you know, the way, the way that the kids even interact with some of our sports programs even occurred, everything was just different. So we're looking at, okay, well, there's some beauty in some of those things that were different. But then, you know, how, how does that translate going forward? And can we get back to some of the ways that we used to do these things um, and, and, and operate? So it's been kind of – you know, dressing it down and bringing it back up. So it's definitely been a good, good project for us. Well, I wish y'all the best with that. And, and I'm definitely going to be following you this season to see how you do. And Man. Um, yeah, remember you got, you got some more wins to get there. Only one loss. You only exactly. have one loss. That's <laughs> the, pressure, the bar is set. The bar is set. 
Oh, hey, listen, I have confidence in you. I'm one of those coaches. I want to see you get that. I want to see you do it. Because, And by the way, if you want to use that as motivation, you can tell them, hey, Coach, she said we only can lose one game. That's it. uh, We got one buffer as a buffer. And I'm forgetting, my mom still lives in Chesterfield, so I'm gonna try to. I might be able to sneak home during basketball season. There sneak you go. Check a game out. Yes, yeah. please, man. That'd yeah. be awesome. That'd be awesome. I'll do it. All right. So one last question: um, Who has been the most inspirational person in your life in the past or currently? Man, that is that is a tough one. And the most inspirational person in my life, you know, I guess outside of you know my parents and my my family. I, I definitely have to say my high school coach, who was also my AU coach, and then I ended up coaching for him. I was at, at Monacan, um, Larry Starr. I mean, he, without him, I, I'm definitely not where I am right now. Um, and he, he's really the one that pushed me to view the game in a different way and to really value hard work and all those lessons that, that I hope to instill in, in kids and we as coaches hope to instill in kids. Like, that's what he provided for me, right? And, and he kind of gave me that outlet of, um, basketball can take you all around the world if you let it um, fall in love with it and work hard at it. And from there, it, it's really let off. And uh, even I love to tell the story because I, I owe him this one. Even when I was, so I was signed on colleges, I have a twin sister. And so we, we both played. We both wanted to go together. We both want to play together. And um, of course, twin sister, our GPA is like exactly the same. Our SAT scores came back exactly the same, just like different breakdown, but exactly the same, you know, like everything same. So, you know, my, my parent, my parents, neither my parents, neither of them went to college and, you know, they were supportive. However, like they definitely wanted us to go to college, but it wasn't like, yeah, you'll figure it out. It's fine. Like we got it. So uh, one of the places that we were looking at to go play is Franklin and Marshall College. And it's this small D3 school about an hour west of Philly and uh, very high academic school which like, quite honestly, I didn't really realize at the time. And uh, they had told us, like our coach had told us, like, you got to apply early admission, early action, which is binding if you're going to have a shot and you got to do test optional because your test scores are so low, not so low, but like they're, they're, they're not going to accept those. They're, they're not, they're not high enough to where most kids are going to be. So if you're going to have a shot at this thing, you got to apply early and uh, you, you can't use your test scores. You got to apply test optional, which was like, you know, you, you submit other papers and stuff like that, graded work from, from high school. And so the day that all this was due and due to the school, Les and I, my twin sister, we come into school and go by Coach Star's room because most every morning we go by there anyways, say hi, say what's up. It's like, hey, you guys get your stuff in to F&M. I was like, no, oh, man screw them. Like they don't want me for me. They're, they're saying my grades aren't good. They don't know me. And then I don't want to go there. And he was like, you are so dumb. Like we're going to go do this right now. Unless like, well, it's binding. Like what if one gets in and one doesn't? And he was like, I mean, it can't happen. Like you have the exact same grades. Like it, you're probably either both or you're not. And, and if so, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So he took us around to our teachers and we got all the paperwork we needed. We faxed everything in from Monica and high school office. Came back later. We both accepted. It was binding, and that's where I went to college. And, wow. you know, ended up playing basketball there. Great four years and learned a lot uh, as a player and, and off the court as well. You know, great, great school, made great friends, great connections. But, you know, without somebody really looking out for you, like you don't know the kind of – like that one decision made such – like changed the trajectory of my life so much. 
Um, and you can't take those things for granted to have people looking out for you and see a bigger picture than you see at the time. So he, he's definitely one that I owe a lot to. And even now is such an important mentor for me as, you know, I continue coaching and all of that. So yeah. is he still at Monaghan? He is. He actually just stepped down as head coach for heading into next season. So my twin sister is actually taking the head job, head girls. Yep. No but kidding. he's teaching there. Yeah. So she, she'll be the, she'll be the head coach. She was coaching waiting. So um, she's got some big shoes to fill. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome, though. That's a great story and, and so true. And another example of the impact of coaches in your lives, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I think this is a, a great test. And I appreciate you sharing that story. Great story. Great story. Great that's story. A good one. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great story. Well, Kara, I really appreciate your time. And this no, is a great so conversation. Much. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't know if you know, but I'm going to share this with our listeners. But for those who don't know, you know, my first book. The Ultimate oh. Guide to Success for Pre-Teams and Teams. It's available on Amazon in the Kindle version, paperback and hardback. It is a great book. It breaks down my sea of success, which is the simplicity, effort and attitude of success. And it covers uh, 11 different uh, skill set areas that kids need to be successful, like goal setting, responsibility, accountability, leadership, time management, character building, communication. The, whole, the list goes on and on. So be sure to check it out on Amazon. And we've already had a, uh, several people that have purchased it and really enjoyed it. Gotten a couple of reviews on Amazon and, and I'm really excited about it. But it is a great uh, resource, not just for preteens and teens, but also for parents and ooh, coaches yes yeah. hey i was, there getting, I was sitting here thinking there's there's a team read for the year <laughs> yeah. we starting a book club as there we you go, go. So oh you, my you gosh got me thinking, you got me thinking. great idea great idea like great it. idea i like it I like it but yeah absolutely so check that out i really appreciate it and as always i'm coach t i'm here to educate support and inspire the next generation of leaders till next time take care stay connected with coach t and Coach T's Corner on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok. You can get more information on his website, CoachT'sCorner.com.